pose and snap a, snap a selfie. There you go. There Look at that, isn't that cool? I'm sorry to hear that you're depressed. It's true. I am unhappy. <laughs> I'm not real. I'm a computer model made piece by piece. Combo's News Roundup, what we're doing is exploring the post-truth world. We are going to understand the world around us. And in order to do so, we need to demystify, delineate, and contextualize the whole social political context. We're going beyond the headlines. And then your doctor says, you're looking so much better. If you're thinking in the left-leaning mindset, you, you'll think about the fourth industrial revolution, you'll think about the information age and modernity. And if you're thinking about in the right side of your mind, then you might think of the Aquarian age, you might think of an, a new coming of age, a new spiritual age. But if we really consider the psychology of time and the evolution of concepts, the evolution of society and how it functions in reality, then we can ascribe a deeper meaning that is not just fall by the way lines and, you know, trends and vogue and fashion. No. So usually what we discuss in the media tends to be very myopic. It tends to be five minutes of a discourse, somebody gets upset and then you win, right? So that's how modern political debates work today. And that's no accident. So getting to that and getting just right into the information of what's happening around the world, let's first start off with the most contentious political headline that I have seen, and it's not so disastrous, it's not dramatic, it's performative. So performative politics. A great example of performative politics is AOC's phony arrest during an abortion rally. And if you miss the story, there's much more to this, and I'm only hitting the image. The substance behind this image, you will see the whole complexity as we develop this discussion in this podcast, in this news roundup podcast with your friend Hector Combo. So in this story, as we can see, there's the media, what we perceive, the images that are promulgated by the propagandists, and the reality. When we go behind the image and look at three-dimensional space and time, we can intuitively recognize the deception. It doesn't take a big superfluous argument. It doesn't take an appeal to reason. And we're going to touch on all these different factors later into this video. So please, if you feel like I am bombastic, histrionic, and attacking one held belief of yours, just suspend your disbelief for one moment and follow along with what I'm saying, because it's we're going to get to a point of mutual understanding and build consensus. That's what we should be doing. 
So in the performative politics, you know, for the most part, when we think about the ongoing agenda, the agenda of, the agenda of technocracy, meaning government by technology uh, shepherded by the experts in their respective field, we might want to imagine or even assume erroneously that the experts and their recommended advice is the way to go. In previous articles, which are linked in this long-standing series that I'm doing, this is part three of my deconstruction of the postmodern condition, not through a left-leaning, not through a right-leaning perspective, but through a multidisciplinary, unorthodox approach. Whoa, can you actually create your own synthesis of ideas and navigate the world through that? This is the first time I'm hearing about. Well, this is what we're going to be doing, and I hope you're doing the same. You know, you, you really just want to go beyond what we were being fed by Beth, both the left and the right, because they're all the same. Within the same philosophical, political nexus. You will understand much later. Follow my articles and follow all the links posted there. So the facade, as we've discovered in this progressive democracy, the facade is more dramatic, more engaging than the underlying political reality of social engineering and technocracy. Now, this keyword, social engineering, is very important, but we're going to remember it for the meantime, because social engineering is not just uh, nefarious elites trying to condition you to act a certain way that is disastrous to your personal development. No, it's much more than that. It's actually social convention, and we'll discuss that as we go along. Contextualizing what is happening right now, we should revisit a very important and informative normative driven uh, narrative driven documentary called hyper normalization and if we're going to dispel or break the pattern in which we get angry we get upset we manifest the movement and then it gets hijacked and then we forget about it and then we get dejected and then the technocracy or the agenda continues that's the pattern that's been going on crisis after crisis after crisis uh exhaustively detailed all those examples but if we can draw one relevant example then we should look at this documentary of hyper-normalization. But in Russia, there was a group of men who had seen how this very lack of belief in politics and dark uncertainty about the future could work to their advantage. What they had done was turn politics into a strange theater where nobody knew what was true or what was fake any longer. They were called political technologists and they were the key figures behind President Putin. They had kept him in power, unchallenged, for 15 years. Some of them had been dissidents back in the 1970s and had been powerfully influenced by the science fiction writings of the Strugatsky brothers. 20 years later, when Russia fell apart after the end of communism, they rose up and took control of the media. And they used it to manipulate the electorate on a vast scale. For them, reality was just something that could be manipulated and shaped into anything you wanted it to be. But then a technologist emerged who went much further and his ideas would become central to Putin's grip on power. He was called Vladislav Surkov. Surkov came originally from the theatre world and those who have studied his career say that what he did was take avant-garde ideas from the theatre and bring them into the heart of politics. Zirkov's aim was not just to manipulate people, but to go deeper and play with and undermine their very perception of the world, so they are never sure what is really happening. 
Tsarkov turned Russian politics into a bewildering, constantly changing piece of theatre. He used Kremlin money to sponsor all kinds of groups, from mass anti-fascist youth organisations to the very opposite, neo-Nazi skinheads. And liberal human rights groups who then attacked the government. Tsarkov even backed whole political parties that were opposed to President Putin. But the key thing was that Tsarkov then let it be known that this was what he was doing, which meant that no one was sure what was real or what was fake in modern Russia. As one journalist put it, it's a strategy of power that keeps any opposition constantly confused, a ceaseless shape-shifting that is unstoppable because it is indefinable. Meanwhile, real power was elsewhere, hidden away behind the stage, exercised without anyone seeing it. And then the same thing seemed to start happening in the West. By now, it was becoming ever more clear that the system had deep flaws. Every month, there were new revelations of most of the bank's involvement in global corruption, of massive tax avoidance by all the major corporations, of the secret surveillance of everyone's emails by the National Security Agency. Yet no one was prosecuted, except for a few people at the lowest levels. And behind it all, the massive inequality kept on growing. Yet the structure of power remained the same. Nothing ever changed, because nothing could be allowed to destabilize the system. But then, the shape-shifting began. Thank you very much. So nice. So amazing. So amazing. What? That's okay. We, I love you more, okay? When we just look at a series of events, facts, evidence, we just get what has happened, what happened. But we want to get the meaning of it. We really want to relate to the story. We want to know what's going on. And this documentary does a great job in doing that. And we'll see all the repeating cycles. There's nothing new. We're doing the same thing. The only difference now is that the method and the delivery method of propaganda is much more sophisticated, which is really now become a video game, a live action role-playing video game where you'll have different people chasing after information in order to dress their identity and identify as one of the team, as one of the group, as one of the political movement, the side guys. And so to capture what's going on in the side guys, the modern side guys, is the social convention is beset against the individual because the whole technocracy is not addressing your needs and desires, and it won't because no, it's not about capitalism. It's not about communism. It's much more nefarious than that, and we need to be more sophisticated. So the technocracy, in fact, is not adapted to meet the needs of humans any longer. Nay, it is instituted to create its own needs, its own bias, and its own worldview. So it's a whole ideological forefront manifested through technology. It's not just an iPod. There's much more to it than just an iPod. And so continuing this idea of perception, social convention, uh, the headlines, the whole overarching theme of our society is post-modern, 
post-modernity. And by that, I don't mean pink hair, blue, whatever, and then you can choose whatever gender. No. The reason that this course has been so myopic is because you, there's a lot of insight in post-modernity. No, I'm not saying you should believe in that. I am saying, think about what post-modernity is about. Post-modernity literally, mean, literally means after modernity. The main crucial aspect of modernity is its modern myth, its myth. What is this myth? Is that once after we discover all scientific, scientific progress and we eliminate all the errors of our reason and everything else goes along according to plan and we reduce, we substantiate and everything else, that that in itself is going to create all the nirvana, all the utopia, all and gonna meet all the needs. When in fact, post-modernity has shown the opposite. It has shown that because of the elevated medicine, the elevated level of medicine, more people are living longer and they're working longer and they're enduring a different type of existential dread. The existential dread that I am talking about will be explained in the articles in my three-part series, de deconstructing the modern myth, the modern world, and how we can go transgress against conventionality. And I'm not just talking about doing what you want, but transgressing the false imposition of these anti-human values. Following that news story, remember, we're just covering the facade, the political facade and going beyond it to gain the substance. We're not talking or chasing the headlines because that's what they want us to do. That's how they kill, crush our time. That's how they take over our peace of mind. This is truth. And you know it intimately, intuitively, you know this. Now, Going back to two years ago, two years ago, I spent considerable time being outcasted, ostracized, and yada, 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 boo-hoo me, but I trekked along and I produced and published my own personal research. And my personal research was essentially saying that there is an ulterior motive to the brutal but, brutal but effective policies. And that ulterior motive was the advancement of technocracy. And so in this article that follows on why people should avoid repeated use of masks, the science behind all of that is covered in this survey, which is a limited study. It's not comprehensive, but the point of it all is there is bacteria and fungi, which could be highly toxic to your personal health and can create much more problems for you, according to the people who are proposing the study, immunocompromised individuals should avoid wearing or should avoid reusing masks. I'm sorry, I'm exposing my bias. I don't think people should wear masks because it just creates more problems and it's counterintuitive. And it's just part of a psychological conditioning meant to elicit a wider control of society. So you're welcome to go through this article on your own. It, all these links will be posted in this article. You can follow me on Twitter, underscore Dungeon Master, underscore, or you can follow me on The Hive, Dungeon Master 93. Or you could follow me on Facebook, Hector Combo. And so I use these media platforms only to advance an image. And if you really want to go a deeper insights, reading my articles on the Hive or following my news roundups might be a good idea. So in this study, it mentions different types of toxic fungi and bacteria, opportunistic pathogenics, which, you know, we should at least try to consider this information today because two years ago, there was the social convention, the pressure, we're all gonna die. You need to abide by the rules or else you're a bad person, you're a psychopath. 
That's what we covered in the news round of podcast two years ago, literally the same conversation. And never did I was like, oh. <laughs> no, I realized that it, what it was, that they're confronting your animus. They're confronting your very idea of comfort. These two things they're doing on purpose because they're destabilizing your mindset. Once you process the images of the propaganda and you accept its image at face value, what you're doing by implication is accepting the philosophical implications as well. So that's part of it. So once you actually believe the lie or go along with the propaganda, you're going to be told the truth, not because it's functional, but because it's performative. Going back to the keyword, performative. So you can have individuals such as former National Security Advisor John Bolton admitting to orchestrating coups. The very idea that conspiracy-minded folks or just researchers, individuals who have an intellect and common sense and are rational and deduce facts on their own, that they were decrying the neoconservative agenda to take over the world. Well, you know, now John Bolton admits it. And while we believe, oh, Joe Biden is so evil and he's so bad, we should definitely impeach him. That definitely takes away from the substantial amount of neoconservatives operating in the whole seats of government. The major powerhouses of government are controlled by individuals who have a bias, who have a penchant for war. I'm looking at you, Victoria, Victoria Newland. I have not forgotten about you and neither should we. And many of the other names like Chir Chertoff, we totally forgot about them. But we have our friendly individual here with a big mustache, tell this big masculine mustache, this chicken hawk POS. <laughs> he himself here is admitting that they orchestrate coups. With all due respect, uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, yeah. not here, but you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's not what he did. It was just stumbling around from one idea to another. Ultimately, he did unleash the rioters at the Capitol. As to that, there's no doubt. But not to overthrow the Constitution, to buy more time to throw the matter back to the states to try and redo the issue. And if you don't believe all right, that's enough. I can't stand even listening to him, but you get the idea. So now, while we are distracted and focused on the American dialectic, the American political dialectic, which is phony and contrived, you know, uh, election rigging and all this corruption and stuff, that the whole system is created to disregard humanity and go beyond humanity, post-humanity. The general side guys of the super class is amoral and will do whatever it takes to get to that point of immortality and be have and have godlike powers. They speak publicly about this. So with that in mind, we need to contend with what the people in control are doing and what and how they're living their life and what they're choosing to do. But the major aspect of our personal life we shouldn't be dictating to others what they ought to do or what not to do. But when it comes to, the, to law warfare, because this is a this is warfare warfare through the law through the bar, they're going to institute a whole new human, human 2.0. Okay, and that human 2.0 
is going to serve their purpose because it's going to be limited. It's going to be conditioned. It's going to be demoralized. It's going to be destabilized. And when you have a variable that can be completely overrided at will, then that's the variable that you want to have because it's a control variable. Humans and their freedom, they're too pesky and risky, kind of yucky too. We need to make sure they're managed real time. All right, let's continue with our journey down the media landscape and continue with this very poignant video of George Soros. In the last two years, you've been blamed for financial collapse of Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, and Russia. Yeah, all, of the, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah, yeah. Are you that powerful? No, I think there's a great misunderstanding. I am basically there to, uh, to make money. I cannot and do not look at the social consequences of, of what I do. As a, as a competitor, I've got to compete to win. As a human being, I, can, I, I am concerned about the society in which I live. Which George Soros am I talking to now? The amoral George Soros or the, the moral George Soros? Look at that smile. Uh, it's one person. Look at that smile. Of course, it's one person. And this predatory behavior, you'll really have to detect and have an insight for it. It's, if, if you're naive and lacking in understanding, you'll only see the surface of this. There's a reasoning behind this individual's being. There's, there's an explanation. There, there's a rhyme and a reason to people's actions. It's not just willy-nilly things, you know? So with that type of essence, personality approach, these are the people who control or through political force, control the boundaries of social convention. When we talk about social convention, usually we speak about traditional values. We talk about you know, things that keep society going, civilization. What are the virtues? What are the actions? What are the relationships? What are the social implications of convening in a social agreement with your fellow men? How are we gonna really manage the society? Are we gonna let these individuals politically force us and coerce us into um, going with everything they say and reacting to everything they do? Or are we going to acknowledge our individual power and transgress beyond their myopic understanding of reality? I think you can do that. And I think if you're listening to this, you're ready to do that. All right. So the second part of where I'm going with this, revisiting the past, checking in with the headlines, making connection and using our beautiful mind to process this information and flow, because that's the most spontaneous thing you can do, be. So two years ago, I had talked about this conspiracy theory. This conspiracy theory, as they call it, was now, is now confirmed by the New York Post. The National Institute of Health has now stunningly admitted to funding gain-of-function technology. Gain-of-function technology adds, it's essentially genetic manipulation to add a function to a bacteria, to RNA. And as a layman, I can only use these basic terms, but if you want to research more into it, there's a whole rabbit hole that you're welcome to peruse. I will try to post an article with all my research and my conclusions based on this supposed conspiracy theory that has been confirmed. Long story short, world governments, major powerful governments, they rationalize experimentation and gain of function because they're doing it for military purposes. They might even say that they're doing it to prevent a military breakout of biological pathogens. They might just affect animals, but they modify them so that they can affect humans. And this type of 
research is quite dangerous. The reason it is quite dangerous is because it is not a well-established phenomenon, which can carry a lot of unintended consequences, as we've discovered, in fact, with the vaccine. And that's something we cannot say, of course, because it will be censorable. So imagine I didn't say that. Now, this being confirmed only shows that the truth is not necessarily irrelevant, but the truth will be served as it pleases the masters of the technocracy. However, they want to dispense with the truth because this was censorable completely throughout every outlet. And you imagine Twitter, CNN, YouTube, Facebook, the censorship, the wall of censorship was rehearsed during the COVID-1984 fiasco. But now, for some reason, the truth is coming out. There must be a major reason as to why that is. And it's not necessarily because it's going to help bring in awareness because Reality is not an appeal to reason as much as we want it to be. That's how we function in this Western cultural tradition. We appeal to reason, our virtues, and we're individuals. We express that reason through our individual agency. Now, reality, it's much more different, much more difficult, and the facts are stranger than fiction. So there's a titled RNA Therapeutic Therapeutics and DNA Editing, described in an experiment that genetically targeted black mice to turn them into white mice. Imagine the possibilities. So imagine the possibility of a superclass with a, a sophisticated level of technocracy, which can manipulate your genes and turn you from white to black to black to white. What type of power is that? And what type of influence will it have on humanity or whatever is left of it? So this is a precision tool that now allows uh, us to take this protein RNA complex and introduce it into cells or tissues to correct mutations at sites where we know there's a deleterious change in the genetic code. So I wanted to show you an example of how this can be utilized. This um, protein complex can actually be injected directly into fertilized eggs of a mouse. And in the experiment, you'll see we're targeting a gene that is responsible for the black coat color in mice. And so normally, these mice have beautiful, glossy black coats. And once we make this targeted change, we then implant these edited eggs back into a, a female mouse. And when she gives birth to pups, you'll see that the pups are now mostly white. And the remarkable thing about this experiment is that the, when these mouse mice grow up, you can test them and show that every cell in the body has this single genetic change that gives rise to the white coat color, but otherwise they're absolutely normal. So they are normal mice, no mutations elsewhere in the genome. This is a type of experiment that used to take a, at least a year to create a, a mouse like this, and now it can be done in a few weeks um, and by people that don't have to have special expertise. Well, I, I, for your consideration, this is the type of power that they're lusting after and they're presenting in the World Economic Forum. You know, their motto, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, that's their motto. And this is the type of experimentations they're lusting after. You know, the results that they really want, the power that they truly lust after. And that type of overriding power to edit the human genome, it's amazing in that it could actually destroy humanity as we know it. And we're not talking about it, we're just reacting to it. And that's, 
Now, talking about the problem, it's not necessarily social convention. It's that the problem is that the social convention is politically coerced by a technocratic superclass that is anti-human and sees themselves as post-human. Ubermensch in the sense that they want to merge with machines. According to them, that makes them superhuman. But obviously, in my opinion, it makes them lesser than human, subhuman. Anyhow, so now let's look at this study. <clears throat> this is a sociological study, and it shows the level of conformity in people. Conformity experiments were a series of studies published in the 1950s that demonstrated the power of conformity in groups. These are also known as the ASH paradigm. The ASH experiment is one of psychology's oldest and most popular pieces of research. A volunteer is told that he's taking part in a visual perception test. What he doesn't know is that the other participants are actors and he's the only person taking part in the real test, which is actually about group conformity. Please begin. The experiment you will be taking part in today involves the perception of line length. Your task will be simply to look at the line here on the left and indicate which of the three lines on the right is equal to it in length. So, for example, if you the actors have been told to match the wrong lines. The volunteer will be monitored to see if he gives the correct answer or if he goes along with the opinion of the group and gives the wrong answer. In the first test, the correct answer is two. Uh, one. One. <laughs> we know how the story goes. So this experiment definitely shows that people are easily conformist. They're, they go along with the social convention. If a group of people do it and they themselves don't question it, they're gonna go along with it. This was in the 1950s, in the 1940s, and in 1946. In 1946, four years before 1950, they had already an understanding, and I'm serious, they had an understanding of the hypnotic powers of television. Now they have a, an understanding of the hypnotic powers of the crowd, the social convention. And my personal opinion and take from my research is that these experimentations, while they were administered by college professors, students, they were abstracted, they were taken and studied and analyzed by what you want to call the deep state, the Pentagon, this whole consortium of technocrats who interconnect with one another in order to study and gain humanity. And they're using those experimentations, those models and those trial and errors to start running a game on us. So imagine if they had the, the power to mo manipulate and modify your genes, your behavior, your thoughts, your feelings and your life path. That's the type of, of world we're entering and which is why I harp on philosophy, the existential Philosophy is not the only one that I preach, but it's much more than that. You definitely want to love wisdom because the love of wisdom will help you delicately detach from these nefarious images and give you the peace of mind, the, the space to really come to your own conclusion, to intuitively, intuitively deduce your own rationale. And that's the beauty of life. That's why I'm so optimistic. But we really are facing some horrendous people who do not have very low opinion of humanity, and they're going to override our freedom, make, even make us obsolete.
He's now using all of that knowledge to give us his vision for the future. Uh, with especially the rise of brain-computer interfaces and biometric sensors and so forth, it is very likely that within, say, 50 years, people will literally be part of a network. All the bodies, all the brains would be connected together to a network, and you won't be able to survive if you're disconnected from the net, because you're Okay, I cannot send to listen to that person anymore. I want to mention the context. The context is that the fourth industrial revolution it, and the information age is bringing about a whole paradigm. And while they're busy discussing, planning, gaming, modeling, and strategizing, they're schemers. That's what they do. We are lost without context because we are only reacting. If you imagine the first 10 years of 2000, 2000 to 2010, and 2011 to 2021, and so on and so forth. If you look at the last 22 years, generalizing, the first part, the Orwellian police military, Orwellian police militarization, centralization of power, centralization of security services, and surveillance there was a takeover of the outer world. The external world was taken over by computers, by surveillance, by artificial intelligence. And it was promised to us that security cameras was, was going to help prevent crime. But in fact, it has been shown repeatedly that even if people are recording a crime or reporting a crime or standing, on, standing with their phone, looking at a crime, it doesn't prevent a crime. It simply records a crime. It's the social convention, the implication, the guilt, the shame the ostracization, the, the punishment that really inhibits that type of risk taking, but it, there's more to it. The second part, generalizing. Now, as Yuval Harari speaks about this particular topic is that the second part now seeks to penetrate and use this word penetration into the intimate inner world of your being. So your mind, your thoughts, your whole neural network and how they can read it real time. I mean, look at how the commercial artificial intelligence surveillance grid can in real time deduce how you're feeling, what you want, what you're about to buy, or what about you're about to think. Literally test it out on your life. You will see, you will see how sophisticated this commercial artificial intelligence grid already is. Now imagine the militarized networks that are powering up a higher level of sophistication. Continuing, our passions are intimately connected to our metabolism. And when we are in a crowd, the public consciousness arises from all of these metabolic bodies exchanging frequencies, energies, hormones, pheromones, all of these quiet signals and of input, output, communicating with one another can pressure you, influence you, and overwrite your reason, which is why we have a whole army of clowns parading the most self-destructive life habits because they understand human convention. They understand humanity. The people, the influencers, the people are who who have a massive following and repeat the same corporate talking points, they get their money, they get what they want, but they don't realize, maybe even might lament it later, that the effect that they have 
on themselves and others around them, the fame itself is not worth it. It's there's something much more than money and fame. And the people like George Soros and the other super class socialites, there's much more to them than just money. It's about power. It's about control of humanity. Imagine the megalomania to control the destiny of humanity and the planet itself. Wouldn't you want a taste of that drug? Imagine it for a second. Really reflect on that because in that question, we can find a lot of answers about ourselves, about each other, and society. Okay, so we're halfway going to the news round of podcasts with your friend Hector Combo. I'm trying to do you a favor and break your conditioning of the constant headlines by giving you my insightful, well-researched thoughts that I hope may help you in some way along your research, along your trek in life. Talking about people who research, people who spread truth and light, I really would want to, re I really recommend Truth Stream Media. And so in this video that they come out with talking about smartphones, smartphones will be inside people by 2030, according to the World Economic Forum and Yuval Harari, the technocrat's pet philosopher, and the many, many controlled influencers and, you know, political puppets and all that. The next phase is penetration of the intimate mind body and soul. And this conversation puts it in perspective, the powering down of the individual through technocracy. Check out that video. Very, very insightful. Now, on the short term, what is happening and is being teased out and unfolding, and we're at the marketing campaign level of CBDCs. What are CBDCs? Well, Centralized banker digital currency. So basically the bank's Bitcoin. And I'm not gonna go into a rant on cryptocurrencies because that's for another video, another theme. And if you wanna know my thoughts about that, continue following this channel. I will be talking more about cryptocurrency and many other related aspects. So this quote from this very happy tick, this big bloated parasite. <sighs> he's, one of those, uh, he's one of those happy people. So this is what he has to say about CBDC or the use case. Quote, we don't know who's using a $100 bill and we don't know who's using a 1,000 peso bill today. The key difference with the CBDC is the central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability. Also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Money is a symbol of energy. When you program money, there are variables that are controllable, delineated, and it reduces uncertainty. It becomes predictable, which is great for a society that is looking for a static growth, for just constant manipulation of the currency because the business cycle, the way reality works, market dynamics or the economy, it's not just about capitalism or communism. It goes way beyond that. And so when you are exercising your energy, it's symbolized, its fruits, its bearings are symbolized through a symbolic, a symbolic token, which is a dollar, a peso. And what they're doing is revitalizing that whole aspect and jumping on the, on the bandwagon of, of people's fascination for safer money and wanting to control their own money and their own destiny. Well, the CBDC is being introduced to give out this allure, this image of, well, we're going to give you your stipend. We're going to give you your universal basic income. 
and you will be happy. You will be happy with your $1,000 monthly stipend. You will be happy. However, you're not going to purchase what you want. And if you have wrong thing or express the, the wrong emotions, then you will be shut down. You'll be excommunicated. In other words, it gives them real-time control of humanity's movements, actions, and interactions. Basically, the whole shebang of public life and even intimate life. A big aspect of it, practically speaking. Now, moving along, Yuval Noah Harari, the very sophisticated, intelligent, oh, a friend of Russell Brand I've heard before. This will be the last generation of Homo sapiens. So I, I do not, I cannot stand this guy, but this video should tell you what the agenda is, that we are looking at the last generation of Homo sapiens. They are going to relegate us to obsoleteness. They're going to override our freedom, our legacy systems, as they call them, our principal belief that the reality, the nature of this reality is not force. It's not fear. It's something much more complicated and beautiful. And there's a much more powerful force than the myopic Machiavellian mindset. I'm gonna repeat that. There's much more to reality than the myopic Machiavellian mindset. Read the second part of Antihero and Catharsis to understand the bigger implications and philosophical nuances. And as the system progresses, the technocracy continues unchecked because the major power centers or the major, the real disruptive technology is continuing on. However, the agenda of propagandizing force vaccination, lockdowns, and everything that comes in between their power to bring about a post-human world well, we are the ones reporting that news. We are the ones suffering those consequences. We are the ones speaking out and saying, it's enough. We don't want to have anything to do with you. We don't want any of what you got or what you have to offer or say or even opine. Be gone with you. And the reason I feel so passionate about, it, about, this, about this is because real people are being hurt all around the world. In Latin America, they put a moratorium in Uruguay because they wanted to vaccinate 14 year olds. In Argentina, a very popular, my God, I mean, I can't even watch it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm like, it just makes me sad. It, may, it makes me sad. One of them, the reason it makes me sad is because I can only imagine the level of pain. So this, this story comes from Argentina. Mother of three year old that died after the clot shot says the government constantly pressuring her has made uh, pressuring her to vaccinate her child. She says she has twice jabbed. Her child only had one jab. Bringing to light the hidden realities, waking up the sleepers. Definitely, we want to be talking about all the painful experiences, the victims, without saying, I told you so, without saying, well, deal with it. It's your problem. No, man. We have to go beyond fear and loathing. We have to go beyond all that. Our self-righteous hatred towards those who believe the image, who believe the facade, that those people are brothers and sisters. Those people are the ones we need to talk and be real with. Anyway, so not only in Argentina, we got in the UK, victims of the vaccine speaking out. It's, it's a major 
major. Europe is completely overrun by farmers being uh, demonstrating, boycotting, uh, stopping the economy. Uh, Sweden is doing co-ops directly, giving, selling out their produce to the people, which is what is just nature. It's real. It's going to happen. We just need to realize how to make it happen. And in order to realize that happening, we need to actually exercise our compassion and exercise. I mean, literally let go of those demons that don't let us see the better in humanity. Because the demons that we obsess about, whether they're reductive in nature caricatures, are a distraction. Because the people outside of our reality don't know that this is a purposeful agenda which destabilizes and distorts perception and aimed, it's specifically, purposefully aimed at unleashing the anti-civilization aspects of humanity. I'm gonna say this again, hum humans are both good and evil. We have freedom of choice. We choose what life we want to embrace through our actions, through our mind, through our language. Many other choices along this way entails our essence, creates it, it's inborn. So what we're seeing now is the laminal space, that uncomfortable open space between a previous paradigm where free enterprise, prosperity, abundance was part of the system, was part of the state. That's what they promulgated on the surface. Well, you know, for other reasons, we're not gonna go in too much into that. But now we're on the other paradigm where all that facade has fallen apart and we're seeing the brutality of the state. We're seeing, we're seeing the carelessness, the whole antipathy of Americans against Americans, antipathy against our fellow men, a Christian nation that preaches peace but practices war should tell you how far gone we are. So in this uh, exclusive, there is a meeting, an internal meeting from CEO Howard Schultz saying that some particular Starbucks some, in some particular places that vote a particular way, I'm sure you can imagine what I'm talking about, what pattern I'm talking about. They are gonna be shutting down stores at certain locations because of the criminality in that area. It's too risky. And so they're shutting down those stores. And in this uh, video, it talks about the need to do it. And it's very politically correct. It doesn't actually transgress. The reason that I mentioned this is that we, the people, the ones that are awake should be in full awareness that people who don't understand the agenda are reacting to it and adding to it. And they might as well be part of Satan's army because some individuals as fallacious as they might be and antipathetic, they might, how much animus they might possess, they still long and lust to be together. Misery loves company. People who supposedly decry victims and support their cause tend to be the most bullying autocratic individuals. Don't just hear what they say, pay special attention to what they do and the patterns of their action. By their fruits, ye shall know them. Okay, so what are the offerings? What are the fruits of our current reality? 
Well, the fruits, the spoiled fruitage of our social convention is going down a path of tyranny. I'll let this video do the talking for me. He comes to us and we have to check him out. Okay. That's, that's all that is, sir. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's all, all, I'm, all I'm doing is verifying that. Look, verifying that you have it. You got two different purchases. Okay. If you have them, I'm out of here. That's how quick okay. it is. Yeah. You have them with you by any chance? Are they? If, you can, if you can unload them and bring them out, or you can. Oh yeah. Just tell us where your guns at. Just tell tell us how many guns you have. Just just go ahead and tell us. You know. I mean, there's no big deal. Second Amendment, you have to report everything you do to the government with all the weapons you do. That's what the Second Amendment is about, right? Complete distortion, complete madness, regular individual working for the state, and he is advancing the agenda. Well, he might know half the truth. He might have no truth at all. But let's be real. Let's be honest. Most of what, most incentives that people follow are not necessarily logical or hard to understand. This person has a family, this person has a job, this person might even have a pension plan. This person might not even like their job. Look at this creature. It's much more about being right. It's much more about passion. It's much more about transgressing social convention. Even if individuals like these trespass on our freedom, We'll have to be righteous and kind and fill our heart with wisdom. So with all that in mind, I really like to thank you for joining me today on this very insightful. And I, I got to say, I'm excited to come back to the show, uh, expose more narratives, more patterns and share my insights with you because it's really my body is all it thinks about and all it feels. This is my passion. However, this passion is painful because I have to see people hurt themselves unwillingly or willingly. And I'm in this pool of primordial existential dread and I can just feel the ocean of suffering. And if we were both on the left or on the right to able to have the courage to transgress beyond our self-imposed limitations and the political coercion of our opinions, the imposition of political opinions. If we go beyond that, we go beyond our political identity, beyond our virtual signaling, meet each other halfway. We're shooting for the same solution. We just don't know it yet. One's more of an appeal to reason. Another more of an appeal to passion. You could say the left has an unhinged passion and the right has a self-righteous indignation and rationale. These two aspects are beset against each other because it helps the system. Let's go beyond that.